As you're finding your places in Scripture today, I do have a, a personal testimonial, if you will, an update. As you know, uh, once we were called here to Huguenot Road, we began the process, uh, the transition from moving from Hanover down to here. And the first step of that was to put our house on the market. And we're just delighted to thank you for the answers to your prayers that you all have been praying as our, our house sold the first day it was on the market this past Wednesday. So one a big hurdle out of the way, and we don't have to close until after Isabella's out of school in the first part of July. So we're very grateful for that time period and looking forward to the next steps that God has uh, for us. Thank you for praying for that. As you know, if you have ever done that, it's a pretty big thing. And this is a, a big load lifted. So thank you. Now to our scripture. If you're following along in your Bibles or on the screen, Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we're very grateful that you're here engaged in, in worship and in this message series on church membership. And if you happen to miss last Sunday, we started the series and, and focused on what does it mean to be a functioning church member that each member of the body of Christ has a unique role to play. A, you're a unique part of the body. And as you heard Sigsby testify just a few moments ago, uh, God has uh, gifted him in the way that he has been able to serve. And although we may serve in different ways, we have the same Holy Spirit that gifts us to serve in the church and in the community. And we're excited about the spiritual gift series that we're in going through during the Sunday school time, and you'll hear a little bit more about that at the end of the service as how you can engage in that if you have not already begun that process. Next Sunday, we're going to focus on how we as a body serve with humility and how sometimes we have to put our own desires aside for the cause of reaching our community. And for us here at Huguenot Road, it's for the sake of worshiping and loving and growing and serving all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Today, we're going to dive in and focus on how we can be a unifying church member. And we're going to look at a little bit of uh, in depth of part of this passage in Ephesians and some other verses from Scripture where Paul uh, here and other places shows unity in the church and emphasizes that. Paul reminded the Ephesian believers that they were to be unified and that they were to protect the unity in the church, which is based on the reconciling death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A little background on Ephesians, if you haven't read through it in a little while. Uh, Paul visited there twice. The second visit during his third missionary journey was about three years. Ephesians, or Ephesus, if you will, the city, is located in the western part of modern-day Turkey. It was a dynamic port city uh, with commerce ebbing and flowing all in among and through it. There were three main roads from the port city that went out into the uh, mainland area, 
And you can just imagine the cultures and the languages and the sights and the smells from this place. There was a tremendous coliseum there that I believe seats something like, uh, seated like 25,000 people. And uh, if, if you were to perhaps go to the Greek festival in Richmond and smell the food cooking and hear the music and the dancing, uh, it might just remind you of the marketplace there in Ephesus and how there were so many different kinds of people and cultures there. So as we look to what Paul is saying, he's helping to communicate to the church that although there are all kinds of people and languages and all kinds of activities to engage in, you have to remember that you're one church. In order to reach all of those people, you have to be unified. And that unity is with the bond of peace that is given to us through the reconciling death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul is echoing in his words the same words that Jesus gave his disciples. You remember in John 17, John records that prayer where Jesus prayed that his disciples would be one as he and the Father were one. And then Jesus even prayed for the people who would become believers and that they too would be unified, referring all uh, to, to all of us. And I believe that God expects each of us to be a unifying presence in his church. I mean, Jesus prayed that. Paul talked about it an awful lot. So you and I know that we are called uh, to be a unifying presence in his church. And as you saw in the children's message earlier, by the way, I'm so glad they didn't try to go all the way to Margaret Ann. That would have been quite a challenge. But when they stopped here in the middle, you could see that they were going together slowly, but together to reach their destination. We are called to be a unified presence in God's church. Why is that? What's the importance of that? I mean, why can't we just do our own deal, do our own thing? If you're taking notes, unity is vital to the health of a church. When believers are, are unified, they are able, we are able to accomplish far more together than we could ever accomplish on our own. And I also believe and am convinced that healthy churches grow and multiply. Healthy churches grow and multiply. People will want to be part of a dynamic, exciting, healthy, and growing church. And you and I can be a part of that process as we seek to be unified believers. There's a great illustration back in the book of Ezra that I thought I would share this morning as we look to understand how, as one voice, we do God's work. Zerubbabel was the governor over Judah, and th this is after the people of God were taken captive by ba the Babylonians. The temple was destroyed, and then the Babylonians were overthrown by the Persians, and the king allowed the Israelites to have religious freedom and allowed them to start to go back to their homeland. And Zerubbabel, governor over Judah, had led the efforts to rebuild the temple under the Persian king Darius. And the foundation was laid. You remember the foundation that was laid for the new building that Huguenot Road has constructed, this beautiful campus here. Some of you all were part of that whole laying of that foundation process. So you have a vision of what it means to lay a foundation. And 
as the foundation was laid, there were different responses. Some rejoiced, but others wept. Let's read together, starting at verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments with trumpets and the Levites, sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Some of you probably gave a shout when the foundation of the various buildings were built over the course of time here at Huguenot Road. And then verse 12 says, But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. Some remembered how it once was. And although this was new, it wasn't like it was. And I'm sure they were excited, but they wept because of the destruction of what was and how what is still isn't exactly the same. It's just a normal, natural, emotional reaction that we have. But others shouted for joy. They were the ones who didn't have that memory, for example. And there was rejoicing and shouting. But verse 13 shows us the unifying uh, voice that came when people wept and shouted for joy all together as one family. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people had made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Whether we come in our weeping and in our shouting, when we do that as one body, God is glorified. And people around us see that that body is together, that family is together, that church is together, that we are a unifying presence in God's church. And there's another great illustration in the New Testament from Luke chapter 5. You might remember the story that there were some friends who had a, another friend who was paralyzed and unable to walk, and they took him to see Jesus. One day, Jesus was teaching. This is Luke 5, 17 and following. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. And they lowered him on his mat through the tiles of the middle of the ground right in front of Jesus. Could you imagine that? I mean, insulation and sheetrock and all of the stuff up there falling down on their heads while these guys are lowering their friend G down to Jesus. If you've ever been up above this ceiling, you can have a glimpse of what that would be like. I got the tour not long ago. It's quite um, a, a construction that we have here. Uh, so you have a 
You got to imagine what it would be like. So they lowered him right down in front of Jesus. And verse 20 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then verse 24, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and he took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. If one of those guys would have dropped their corner, their friend would have not gotten to Jesus. If unity was not important to them, their friend would have not gotten to Jesus. They wouldn't have gotten him up on the roof and lowered him down. If one of them dropped the corner while they were lowering him down, he would have fallen down into the crowd. But they were unified. They were together. Unity is vital to the health of the church, and unity is vital to bringing people to Jesus. There's another thing about unity. It's vital to the witness of the church. To the witness of the church. To how people see us from the outside of the church. Jesus in John, recorded in John 13, said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. They will know, they will see your love. They will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Dr. Tom Rainer, the author of the book that we're following during this message series, I Am a Church Member, he writes, the world will know if we are Christians or not by the way we who are believers act toward one another. How are you treating your spouse in public? How are you treating your kids or your grandkids in public? When you go out to lunch after church, what are you saying about your church experience that very morning? What is the server at your table hearing from you in your conversation? These are things that we can think about. Uh, last week, I met our UPS guy here at church. His name is Larry. And I had some conversation with him as he was getting ready to leave our building. I had not gotten a chance to meet him before. And so uh, he's a very busy guy, but I was thankful he took a little bit of time to talk with me. And he, I, he, he just seemed surprised that I actually stopped to talk with him. And then he says, Pastor, there are 13 churches on my route. And there are only about three churches that give me the time of day. And this is one of them. And he said, it's very unusual for a pastor to take time to talk to him when he goes into one of the churches. What kind of witness are we to the community? Unity is vital to the witness of the church. So here's some application as we seek to live this out as we leave this place today. The question is, how can we, or for each individual, how can I, how can we be a unifying presence in the church? I've got two do's and two don'ts. The first do is, do be humble, be gentle, be patient, and uphold one another in love. Uphold one another in love. 
This is right from our passage, the main passage for today in Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love or upholding one another in love. There's a wonderful picture of what it means to uphold one another in the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter, there's this story that's recorded of the Israelites fighting the Amalekites. And Moses is sitting there up on the hill and has his arms up raised toward God. And the power of God comes through Moses. And as long as Moses has his arms up raised, the Israelites are victorious in battle. But as soon as Moses grows weary tired, his arms falling by his side, the Israelites begin to lose. So Aaron and Hur, the two called to come along and lead aside Moses, lift up Moses' arms. They are his strength. They are upholding him. And the Israelites are victorious in battle. And I can't tell you how powerful it is to see believers upholding one another. When one person is weak, two or three together, we are strong indeed. Uphold one another. And then another do. Seek unity through the bond of peace. This is in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Last week as I was studying this passage God showed me a nuance in the Greek that I hadn't seen before. I I love it when I learn something new. I'm a lifelong learner. And I looked up, I I was interested in knowing what the word bond meant. What's that all about? And the Greek word is sundesmos. Sundesmos. Say it together. Sundesmos. The literal meaning of this word is ligament, ligament from the human body. Paul picks up on part of the human anatomy and brings it in and gives this picture that we are united together through this bond of peace. Peace is the, is the Christ, the one who is the Prince of Peace, who gives us the peace of, pa- peace of Christ that passes all understanding. And so this, uh, these ligaments are joined together in the body through peace that passes all understanding. And I wanted to know the function of ligaments, and I did, I did learn that they're different than tendons. Tendons join bone and muscle. Ligaments join bone and bone. So I did the thing I knew to do, and I called one of our members. And I, I asked Bill Torres, who's a physician, if he could help me understand a little bit more about how ligaments function. And he sent me some really cool information. And he also sent me that story of how, is it Briante Weber, uh, VCU basketball star, tore his ACL and it ended the season. Uh, the ligaments are crucial in athletics. And so Bill sent me some slides that you can see before you. There's the hip and all this fibrous material that you see on the slide are the, ten of the, the ligaments that uh, join the bones together. Uh, the, the knee... There's the ACL and the MCL and some other in the knee. And I was blown away of how many ligaments there are in your spine. Blown away. 
And then some of you may have had rotator cuff uh, surgery, not asking you to raise hands, but if you've had that, you know how painful a torn rotator cuff can be. And there's the image of the shoulder. There are over 200 joints in the human body, and Bill told me that there are over, there's some 900 ligaments that hold our bones together. And in Paul's assessment, it is this, these ligaments of peace that bind the body together. When one ligament in our body is injured, it affects the whole body. One ACL or one MCL or one other ligament that can be torn or injured can be debilitating and it can put you on your back for a long time. So it's, it's so important for us to understand how this bond, how important it is to the vitality and the health of our church. Seek unity through the bond of peace. And then here are a couple of don'ts. Don't engage in gossip and negative talk. Gossip and negative talk. Yeah, that should just go without saying for Christian people, but we all need a reminder. Jesus, Jesus even said in Luke 6, 45, a good man produces good deeds from a good heart, and an evil man produces evil deeds from his hidden wickedness, Whatever is in the heart overflows into his speech. We speak from the overflow of our heart. So let us not engage in in gossip or any kind of negative talk, especially in social media. I've read a lot of articles about how damaging social media can be when people use it to hurt others. This is especially damaging in the lives of our young people. More and more of our young people are engaged in social media, whether it's Instagram or whether it's Facebook or whether it's Twitter or whether it's Snapchat or some of the other things that are out there. And when it is used to target and bully, it is so painful, it is so so hurtful. And we as Christians, we have to reinforce the truth that we are not to engage in any kind of behavior such as that. That brought into the church can be damaging to the body. Paul mentions gossip and negative talk among the list of all the other sins. And sometimes we like to pick and choose which ones to focus on, but he puts those right in the middle of all of the others. So we don't want to engage in that. Paul writes in later in Ephesians 4, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that may, ben- that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, among, um, along with every form of malice. And then James 3, 6 speaks to the tongue as a fire, and we all know how damaging that can be when we use it inappropriately. And here's the second don't. Don't harbor resentment or refuse to forgive. Over the years, I have witnessed people who are near the end of their lives who have chosen not to forgive and who have held onto resentment to the grave. Some of you may have seen that too. And let me tell you, it is agonizing to see the clenching of teeth when there's somebody that you know 
is struggling with letting go of something and they won't do it. As opposed to the person who releases that to God, who says, God, it's, I'm not condoning, I'm not saying it was justified, but, but God, I just give this to you so that I can be at peace. Colossians 3, 13 and 14, Paul writes, Bear with each other and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you remember Jesus' words on the cross where he said, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they are doing? Perhaps one way that we can understand that is Jesus was so hurt and so agonized and so betrayed that the human part of him may not have been able to forgive, so he said, God, you're going to have to do it. Father, I can't, but you can. Father, you forgive them. I can't. Father, you forgive, you forgive them. I can't. You can. May, maybe there are things in our lives that are, are so hard to deal with, and may, maybe we can't utter the words, I forgive you. Maybe we could pray, God, you're going to have to handle this one because I can't. Father, you forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. That you and I, as Christian people, people of the resurrection, people who claim the power of the reconciling power of Jesus Christ, we who live that and claim it every day, uh, that we can set the example of what it means to, to give our resentment over to God, to give our unforgiveness or the things people have done to hurt us, to give them to God and ask God to help us to continue to take steps as we have peace and seek peace. And if there are some who have difficulty with that, maybe you would seek out some good pastoral counseling that uh, a counselor could help you to begin that journey of letting go and letting God and, and finding that way to forgiveness. When people of Christ in the body do that, the body is healthier and we are healthy. We can be a unifying presence in the body you take your bulletins and look at our church membership pledge, I invite you, as we did last Sunday, to read this uh, in unison. Each Sunday we'll have a new pledge that goes with that particular day's theme. The words will be on the screen as well. I am a church member. I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Pray with me. Oh God, thank you for this awesome day, this beautiful spring day in RVA. And God, we thank you for the good people 
of Huguenot Road Baptist Church who have come and spent their Sunday morning here today. We thank you for those who are seeking church membership. Maybe they're seeking to know what it's all about, and I pray that today's message and the messages ahead will help further um, make that known in each heart. Maybe there's something that's been said or sung or prayed or heard uh, today that has stirred the heart of one or more. God, we pray that you would have your own way. God, I ask that if there's one who needs to make that step and profess faith in Christ and seek baptism, that you would have them come today. Or maybe there are others who would seek membership here through their statement of faith and baptism or transfer of their membership from a sister church. Or God, that one might come under watch care to be a part of this body. Lord, you would have your way as we stand and sing together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.